have that done. Look in Revelation chapter number 13 and verse number 11. Do you got it? Amen. Are you ready this morning? Amen. Amen. I loved how Brother Brandon chose to use those two songs. This is the day the Lord has made. And uh, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. The Bible says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercises all power of the first beast before him. And causes the earth to worship, or excuse me, and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great miracles so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast, look at what it says, should both speak and cause as many that would not worship the image of the beast, they should be killed. It says, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now look at these words. Please look at these next words. Here is wisdom. The very thing Brother Craig prayed for. Here is wisdom. Let him that understandeth the counting of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score and six. Father, we thank you for the word. We ask you, Lord, to give us the understanding and the wisdom that you are showing them, you are showing John, and that you're going to teach us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. This morning as we go through this scripture... I want you to look at a few things right here, and the few things that we're going to be talking about is just really four things. And so what I've done is I've taken those messages where I know I can get three points in, and then I've taken those messages and I know that I can't get six points in, and I have actually uh, conceded to go with four, okay? So that way maybe we can get them in. But the first thing that I want you to do is while we're looking at this, understand reading back. Listen to me when I say this to you. This is not some kind of message where, okay, I go, all right, We're going through a bad time. God, I need a message for a bad time. It's not what we're doing. I'm still preaching the same. In 2001, when the trade towers were hit on September the 11th, when those towers come through and all of that stuff was done, I had a boss man that said, well, what are you going to tell all of the congregation now? And I said, I'm going to tell them the exact same thing that I've been telling them for the same years that I've been preaching. I'm going to tell them that Jesus is coming and you need to be ready because he's coming soon. I'm going to share the gospel of Jesus. And so many times we're tempted to do this. We're tempted to look at what goes on around us and then try to find the message. But sometimes what's really cool and what's great about God is that sometimes he goes, you know what? While you're going through these things, listen to the message that's being preached already. And we've been sharing these things. Not only have we been sharing these things, but Hag Baptist Church has been preaching out of the book of Revelation on Wednesday. Bellevue Baptist Church with Steve Gaines is preaching out of the book of Revelation. David Jeremiah is preaching out of the book of Revelation on the radio program. Adrian Rogers, that has been dead for 14 years, is preaching every day this week on the book of Revelation. Amen. And he's been dead for 14 years, right? I just could only hope that after 14 years after my death that I'm still preaching about Revelation. Amen. I'd like to be in that good of a shape listen but the bible says right here is speaking about exactly some of the things and some of the glimpses that we are seeing i've been telling you for months and months and months listen don't get me wrong i'm not saying it's the end of the world as we know it and for invitation we're going to do that famous song by rem i'm not telling you that what i'm telling you is is that you need to be ready And you say, well, Brother Steve, you told us this about 16 years ago. Nothing's ever happened. You told us this about three months ago, and nothing has ever happened. But I constantly tell you, because we're living in the last days, we're only waiting for this stuff to happen. And when we see these things before us, we know that summer is coming. The Bible says when you see the fig trees branch and it's tender, you know that summertime is coming upon us. So I want you to look with me, and I want you to understand that when my voice goes away... I'm not sick. I have sinus infection. That's the only thing that's wrong with me. You say, are you sure? I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to get near you. And I'm actually going to back up this morning and not spit on the front row for that reason. All right? But I promise you I've not been out of the country. I've not been anywhere else. But 
but just pray for me, all right? So I know that some of y'all are afraid. Listen, the Bible says, number one, I beheld another beast coming up. This false prophet, we're going to talk about his origin and his speech. His origin and his speech, where he came from. Where did this false prophet come from? Look at verse number 11. The Bible says, I beheld another beast. And it's not the same one as the Antichrist. But Brother Matt, it says, I saw another beast coming up. His origin that he came from, the Bible says, that he came up out of the earth. Why? Do you remember where the first beast came from? Do you remember when we talked about the Antichrist, where he came from? It says that he came out of the sea. Talking about that he came out of that wickedness. You remember Isaiah said, the wicked are like the troubled sea, whose winds and wave cast up mire and dirt. When we talked about that first Antichrist beast that came up out of the sea, it was talking about that there was a gathering out of wicked nations and out of wicked people. Did you know that the Roman people actually looked at, at the Mediterranean Sea as they came in, much of their imports, exports, much of their army, all of these people came in by boats, came in the way of the Mediterranean Sea. And to Israel and to the Israelites, it was known unto them, hey, all of Rome came in as they attacked us. They looked at them as evil. Who's writing this book? Number one, God. Amen. But who is pinning it down? John. Where's he at on the Isle of Patmos? How old is he? About 92 years old, right? What is going on with John? He has been exiled to the Isle of Patmos by who? By Nero and by Domitian, which is the one that's leading now. And many people in the days of John, they all looked at Nero as the Antichrist. Many people, you probably remember, they looked at Hitler as the Antichrist. Many of you may remember in the 80s, they called Ronald Reagan the Antichrist. They did. Many people declared that he was the Antichrist. If you go and look up Antichrist today and Google it and look at the images, you'll find President Trump's face. There's many people that are trying to pick this person to be the Antichrist, and I'm just going to tell you, you do not know who it is. You will not know who it is. Even the Bible tells us that when they appear on the scene, that they will come in as this, but they're really something else. The Bible says that this second beast comes up, and his origin is, is that he comes up out of the earth or out of the land. The Greek word there is gay. It comes up out of the earth or the land or out of the dirt. And you say, well, what does that mean? This could probably represent that he's coming up out of the land of Israel, that he's coming out of the earth, the, that promised land of Israel. And what's going to happen is this right here. When this beast comes on the scene, and the word beast is used not because it's going to be an animal, but he's going to be animalistic in his characteristics, okay? So when this beast comes up on the scene out of the earth, it's trying to show us that that first one probably came out of the Gentile, pagan, heathen nations, the Antichrist did. But when this one comes out, he's going to have some kind of Jewish tie, Jewish background, because they're all going to work together. I was very tempted this morning to call the message the Satanic Trinity. You know, we believe in the Trinity. Do you believe in the Trinity? Who is the Trinity us? We know that God the Father who sits on the throne. God the Son who gave his life for us and was resurrected that we might have life. And God the Holy Spirit, right? So we know that there's a wonderful trinity which makes a complete package of what? Purity and perfection, all of those things together that God in his fullness is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Satan mimics that and copies that and he has his satanic trinity and it is the dragon, it is the first beast which is the antichrist, it is the second beast which is the false prophet. So you have Satan acting as Father God because he wants to be declared God. You have the Antichrist that came on the scene last week and the week before that, out of the sea that did what? That he caused all people to give worship unto who? Satan, the dragon, which is what Jesus did. He came to do what? To give his life and to glorify his Father which was in heaven, so that what? All glory and honor and power and praise would go unto the Father. Now today, we have this anti-Holy Spirit, anti-spirit, false prophet coming up out of the land that has a connection with the Gentile nations as well as the Jewish nation, Israel, and he's going to bring all of this stuff together and he's going to cause chaos and he's going to cause huge problems, church. Bible says that it was another beast coming up out of the earth. But look at the next part of the scripture. It says he had two horns like a lamb. Bible says he had two horns that were, and he was like a lamb. 
These horns are not compared to that Antichrist that came on the scene. Do you remember the Antichrist that came on the scene? He had not two horns, but how many horns did he have? He had seven heads, ten horns. Remember that? Crazy looking thing. But it's not talking about his appearance. It's talking about his characteristic. It was talking about when he came in, he came in with those multiple ones because why? He was coming in with an intimidation and a fear tactic to make everyone do what? To look at him. And he was not coming in to rule like Jesus did when he first came to the earth, right? Satan understands this stuff. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he said, I did not condemn anyone. The Son of Man came not to condemn, but to save, amen? But whenever Jesus died on the cross and he ascended to the Father, the next time he comes back, he's coming back with a rod of iron to rule the nations with, right? But Satan now is going, you know what? I'm not coming in to do that. I'm coming in off the bat as the Antichrist, and I'm coming in to rule and reign now. And he tries to do it with all of his power. The Bible says that he is wounded. He is killed. Another word wounded means to be slain. He is killed. He has this false resurrection out of the abyss or out of the bottomless pit. And now here comes this false antichrist that has two horns. But look at him. He is not intimidating. No, he's deceptive. Two horns like a lamb. Did you know that in the book of Revelation that the word lamb is used 29 times? 28 of the times that the word lamb is used in the book of Revelation, they refer to Jesus Christ as being the lamb of God. One time and one time only, and it's here in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, does it ever use the description of a lamb, and it is the false prophet or the anti-Holy Spirit. And he is coming in and trying to present himself as being this lamb, this sacrificial with two horns. But look. We see his origin, but look at his speech. The Bible says, but he speaks like a dragon. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that would probably really wig me out a little bit. You're going to go over there and look at the lamb with two little horns and all how cute it is, but when it speaks, it speaks like a dragon. I've never met a dragon, so I don't know how they speak, right? Even watching Shrek, I never really understood how they speak, but I know how donkey talks, but I'm not going to do it this morning, right? <laughs> I don't understand how a dragon speaks, but what it's saying is is that this anti-Holy Spirit, when he comes on the scene, when his origin and his speech, whenever he begins to talk, understand these words that the Lord is telling us. He's saying when he speaks, you'll recognize him. You'll recognize him. You know, there's a lot of people, maybe even here, maybe everywhere we go, that they kind of put on a good good front, a good suit, a good, good attitude, and kind of put on a good show, and they have their mask on. But it's not until they begin to speak that you actually understand who they are. It's not until they begin to open their mouth and speak such things. Either they speak glorifying things into the Father or they speak damning heresies about the Lord God Almighty. And you look at them and all of a sudden you realize they are not who they portray themselves to be. That's what John is saying. John is giving us a warning and he's saying, look, here he says he comes in looking like a lamb coming up out of the land of Israel and he's got ties together. But when he speaks, no, nope, what comes out of him is actually who he is. So look at the second thing. Now we look at his orders. This is what he's been called to do. The second thing that we look at, his orders and his similarity. He has some certain similarities about him. Not only does he speak like a dragon, but he's got some other other similarities about him. What are orders? Orders could be military orders. You know, you are told to do these certain things. But orders also, in the Word of God, when you look at it, it is a vocation or a calling. I have a calling on my life. I have a vocation that I try to walk worthy of, is what Paul had told us to do. Walk worthy of the vocation and the calling, right? And how do we do that? We walk in the Holy Spirit of God in order to walk worthy of the vocation that we've been called in. God's put a calling on my life. Not to fear, not to worry. God has called me to not cause people to fear or to inflict fear, but to just speak truth. God's called me to speak truth. And when truth bothers you or truth makes you mad at me, I can't help that. I can't do anything about that because if it's God's truth, I can't back up from that. You have to just go get mad at me or whatever. And I'll tell you like Adrian Rogers, you can take it up with God because he's the one that wrote it. But I am ordered by God to share this with you, to give you a warning. I have been put here to put signs and warnings in front of your faces. And also what? Blessings that we can enjoy and, and bask like we go into the sunshine if it would ever come. Right? 
Listen, his orders and his similarity, the Bible says in that verse, look at verse 12, it says he exercises the exact same power that the first beast did before him. And what he's trying to tell us is that this guy's no different. He's actually doing the exact same thing. The treadmill that the Antichrist was running on is the exact same treadmill that the false prophet is running on. And he's coming in and exercising the same power and the authority. Why? Because both of these two people have been given authority and power and orders by Satan. The same way that Jesus did not act on his own when he came to this earth. He didn't act on his own. Church, do you know why? You ever look at those scriptures and wonder why Jesus just didn't go, hey, it's me, I'm the Messiah, I am here, let's go. Worship me, right? You ever wonder why he said things, it's not my time yet? You ever wonder why he told those 10 lepers that were cleansed to go show themselves into the priest instead of turning them loose, Brother Matt, and say, hey, y'all go back and tell everybody what the Son of God has done for you? You ever wonder why he didn't do that because he was not acting in his own orders or in his own vocation. He was acting on behalf of his Father who strengthened him, who gave him power to do all this, and that's why. Because why? One simple phrase in the Bible, in the fullness of time. In the fullness of God's word, Jesus stepped in and said, Father John 17, now is the time. I have glorified your name. Now is the time for you to glorify me through you, right? All of that stuff. Why? Because he was walking in the will and the order and the directives of his father. And these evil beasts that will be during the tribulation period, they are exercising all of their power and authority as the first beast did because why? They are working underneath the umbrella of Satan and the dragon, Slewfoot, Beelzebub, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, right? But look at these words. The Bible says he causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. You remember, how many of you were excited last Sunday when we left here and we talked about that word dwell? Do you remember the, the, the phrase that we used? You know what I mean? Watch me whip. You, I knew you'd remember it. You did good, amen? The word skene in the Greek that meant that Jesus came and dwelt among us. But then the Bible tells us that our dwelling is in heaven. Look at how he uses the word again. He says that this false prophet causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. Those people who have, listen, tied everything that they believe and trust and worship in the earth and in everything of the earth. It says that this false prophet, look at the word, causes them to do it. That he is leading them. He's causing them to do it. This is the one time that when people say the devil made me do it, that it's actually going to be truth. He's going to cause them to worship the beast. And look at these words, whose deadly wound was healed. And these words to me, when you read these words, it's almost as if you're looking at it and you're going, oh, the poor pitiful antichrist whose wound, deadly wound was healed. What the false prophet is doing is the exact same work that the Holy Spirit does right now with us and with all lost people and all people who have their dwelling on the earth and not their dwelling in heaven. He is wooing them. He's drawing them, Brother Matt. And he's doing what? He's causing them to see glimpses of God, understanding. That's why Hebrews chapter 6 talks about that they have partaken of the heavenly things and tasted of the heavenly things. But if they turn away from those things that they have tasted and that they have brought in into their sight because of the light of the Holy Spirit has given it to them, it says that it's impossible for them to renew them again unto repentance. What that's talking about, church, is not that people can lose their salvation if they've been saved before. What it's talking about is those people who have understood their lost condition by the Holy Spirit of God, that the light of the Holy Spirit has caused them to see Jesus as Savior and their need for him. Then if they turn away from that, it's impossible for them to ever have repentance of their sins if they turn away from what the gospel is. Do you understand it? Doesn't that give you a lot more hope? Amen? I know some of you are worried. <laughs> the Bible says they tasted of it and partaken of it. What it means is they sit in here and they feel, feel the glory of God. And when they feel the presence of God and the glory of God, if they reject that and turn away from that, then what happens? They have no chance of salvation, no hope for salvation at all. Look at what these three, the devil and his holy trinity, look. 
God the Father's on the throne. God the Son gave his life for our sins. God the Holy Spirit leads us and teaches us and causes us to understand these things. But Satan and his trinity do what? <clears throat> Satan's trinity, the, Satan wants to be glorified. He wants to be worshipped. The Antichrist did all of these great miracles in order for Satan to be worshipped. The Holy Spirit or the anti-Holy Spirit, the false prophet does all of these things. I want you to notice what, the whole, what this false prophet does. It says he causes them to do all this. And the earth whose deadly wound was healed. But look at verse 13. The Bible says in verse number 13, And he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. You say, well, man, that's a, well, what would that really apply well, listen, this one coming up out of the land, if that is true, that he's coming up out of the land of Israel, then that applies really, really, really. It's got a lot of depth to it. And you say, well, what do you mean? Elijah, the great prophet of God against the prophets of Baal. There was a championship one day, a championship game that was played one day, and Elijah said, you call all of your people, and you build an altar unto Baal, and you put a sacrifice on that thing, and you call upon your God. He said, and I'll build an altar, and I'll call upon the name of my God, Jehovah the Lord. And he said, and whoever's God answers by fire, let him be God. Amen. You remember that? You remember that story? None of us remember it as well as an Israelite remembers it. None of us take as much stock into that story as the Israelites and the Jews take into that story. As you go there to Mount Carmel, you'll actually see a big, huge monument built in honor of Elijah there on top. We've stood underneath it looking at it. And listen, people talk about it constantly. Why? Because it's a forever reminder that my God is God over all gods. That's what the story means. So now you take that, and you take these deceived Israelites that will be here during the tribulation. You take people that think they know portions of the Bible in their mind, but they've never trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they're left behind because they're lost. And you take this anti-Holy Spirit, false prophet, that steps on the scene out of the land of Israel, and he calls down fire from heaven. You have now fulfilled a scripture to them that they're blinded by right now. Because they say that they're waiting on Elijah to come. At every setter, every Passover meal, a setter meal, they actually set an extra place setting for Elijah. They actually put the roasted lamb, they put the bitter herbs, they put the water, the salt water bowl there, the boiled egg, and they allow, they put the wine there. And every year, those parents go in there and they eat a little bit of it while the kids are asleep. And the kids come downstairs, much like a Santa Claus kind of thing. And the kids come downstairs and they go, oh, the days of Elijah are upon us because he's eaten some of it and he's done this. But Jesus Christ said, if you could understand this, I tell you that Elijah has already already come in the form of John the Baptist because what he was talking about John the Baptist didn't call fire down from heaven amen but he was a fireball preacher that paved the way and made straight the crooked paths amen let every hill be brought low and every valley be brought up and get ready for the coming of the Lord amen and so what's going to happen when this false prophet calls down fire from heaven Israel's going to be immediately deceived and tied to this man because he calls down fire from heaven. We also know, according to the book of Revelation, chapter number 11, that there were also two witnesses that came. And do you know what they could do? As they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that were trying to come and to kill them that were of the armies of the devil, of the armies of the Antichrist, it said they had the power to call down fire. Amen. And what that means is to call down God's judgment. But in some way, this false prophet is going to be able to do a great wonder a great miracle or a great deception where he calls down fire from the earth. And I want you to look at it. In the sight of men. See, it was never about Elijah being seen. It was never about the two witnesses being seen. But when the false prophet does it, it is about doing it in the sight of all men. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Steve? If there's a piece of paper right here, people will walk by it and walk by it and walk by it. But if you've got 10 or 15 people in here and their folks are looking at them, they'll go, oh, let me get that for you. Right? Why? Because they do it to please men. That's what this false prophet is going to do. The Bible says that he is deceptive. Listen, here's the third thing. He's going to bring oppression. And he's going to bring his scheme of scamming. He's going to bring Oppression. We think we know oppression. We think 
that we understand this. There, there are people, even right now as we speak, jokingly making all kinds of memes and stuff like that. And I'm not talking about you if you do these things. Please don't misunderstand me. There's many of them that I've also laughed at. But there are a lot of people that are joking about it, and they're upset because we don't have sporting events, we don't have this, we don't have that, and we just feel so oppressed. I told a friend of mine the other day, I said, the only thing that needs to happen next for the world to actually just kind of go into this chaotic state is to let all the Internet devices just die. People would lose their brains. They would lose their mind. They would go crazy, I'm telling you. And you say, what will it be like when the Antichrist comes, church? It's going to be much similar to what's going on now. John was not in the days of television, was not in the days of these devices that we have. He saw things that he could not explain. He saw a beast that was made in image and actually that the false prophet gave power to this image and how could all these things happen look at what it says in chapter 13 look at verse 14 it says and he's going to deceive them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth look that they should make an image to the beast which had uh, the wound by a sword and did live this anti-Holy Spirit false prophet is going to be trying to convince people to uh, erect an image of this beast, this antichrist that had the wound that was killed. And constantly, this is the second time already, Brother Heath, that we've seen those words, the beast who had a wound and was healed, that was killed and is alive, killed and alive. And it's like Satan is putting this huge propaganda out there about what? Death and resurrection, death and resurrection. Why would he do that in that time? Because that's what all of our whole lives here this morning depend on is upon the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he is constantly trying to draw people to this and he's trying to pull their attention to this and he's doing things that are Babylonian. He's doing things that are Roman style. It was never intended and I don't take offense to this but I don't think it was ever intended after Jesus conquered the cross to have all of us make sure we had them around our necks or that we had them in our ears or that we had them over our doorpost. I don't think it was ever intended that we would resurrect monuments of the cross and resurrect all of these images of all of these things, but it was always intended that when we thought about that, that he overcame death, that he paid the penalty of our sins, but the grave is where it's at, church. The grave, when the stone rolled away and he came out, that's where the victory happens, right? But see, in a Babylonian and a Roman style and a worldly system, it's all about erecting monuments. It's all about erecting what? Having those Caesars and the busts of Julius Caesar and Marcus Aurelius and all of these other ones and, and having images always carved. We talked about it in the seven churches. You remember? Having the images of Nike carved into that stone white marble. Having the images of uh, Apollos and Athena carved in those things. Why? Because they were wanting their images to be glorified. And it goes back to the Ten Commandments telling us that we should not have any graven images over God Almighty. We should not worship him. But here is where we should look at it and go, this guy is wrong. This guy is the false man. He is teaching things that are wrong according to God's word. Why? Because he wants to build an image in honor of the Antichrist. We should know immediately that's a red flag. We should not do that. God has told us not to do that. And look at what he says. He's going to bring them all to do that because why? They should reverence. They should pity. They should worship the one that did what? That had the wound by sword and died. And now he lived. You should see how he's going to deceive these people. And the Bible says in verse 15, And he had power to give life into the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast, that they should be killed. And he causes all, look at these words, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Verse 17, And that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. You can hear this Antichrist say this, because of the death of the Antichrist that was wounded by a sword and did live, let us build an honor and let us build in honor unto him an image. I want to tell you these three things. Listen, the false prophet will have kingdom power when he comes. He's going to have this kingdom style of power when he comes. 
He's going to come up out of the land of Israel. He's going to be connected with the Antichrist, who is connected with the dragon, which is Satan. He is going to bring all of this together, and he is going to be laughing and promoting his satanic kingdom. He is going to be bringing people together. He is going to say, listen, we should not rule in such a harsh manner. We should rule in a peaceful manner. But then when he speaks, Brother Craig, he's going to speak like a dragon. He's going to deceive people. Nations and tongues and all tribes will come after him. Listen, but he's going to inject one day that he is God and that he is the ultimate rejection of God Almighty. Number two, the false prophet has deceptive power. He has kingdom power, but he has a deceptive power. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, it says if it were possible that he would, he would even deceive the very elect. If it were possible, church, for us to be even left behind, the people of God, those that have been saved, those that have been born again, if it was even possible, that's the key word, if it were possible. This is a hypothetical situation. If it were possible, if in order for us to be left behind, he would even deceive some of you because he has deceptive power. So most of you go, oh, he wouldn't deceive me. Well, if you could talk to Eve for one moment, I believe she thought the same thing. If you could talk to Jacob for one moment, I believe he would have said the same thing. Or Judas, or Peter, or any of us in this church. Listen, it's only because of the grace of God that we're out of here at this time and we're not deceived by this awful man who has deceptive power. Did you know that it says that he is going to be giving this image a voice? The word for that voice there speaking for him, it's the word pneuma. It's the word that we get the Holy Spirit from. It's the word, Andrew, that we get the breath of life from in the beginning, pneuma. It's actually the word where today we understand the word pneumonia because of the breath and the understanding where we can't breathe and it deals with the lungs. What it's talking about is this false prophet is going to be giving breath is going to be breathing things in the things that are spoken. Some people are trying to figure out what this image is. Some people are trying to figure out if it's an animatronic thing, if it's going to be some kind of uh, artificial intelligence. Some people have said years ago, back in the 70s, they said it was the television and that John couldn't see the television in those days, but, it, but he was looking at it and there's the image of the beast and it's speaking and doing all these things. We don't really know what it's going to be, but I can tell you right now that what I kind of look at and what I think about, that I don't know if you know this or not because you're not supposed to be traveling right now, but if you were to go to the Roman Colosseum, they started last year and all the way up until the end of May this year that they have an image that's out front that it's actually setting in the corridor where all people will walk by it. They will all go into that entrance and they will see this image and it is the image and the idol called Moloch. In the Old Testament the Valley of Hinnom they had there in the Valley of Moloch and the Valley of Hinnom where they had this false god set there. Many of the pagan god worshippers brought their babies, brought their children and they would heat the fire up in the belly of this god, this false brazen god they would heat it up so hot that they would lay their babies, infant babies, in the hands of the image of that thing. And those brazen hands would be so hot that it would scorch those children. They would take those bodies and throw them inside the cavity of that stomach as though they were feeding that false God over and over and that stinking thing is standing right in the middle of the front of the Colosseum at the Roman Colosseum today and people are walking by and going into a Colosseum not only where they had gladiator games where they had all kinds of fun things going on but also in the same place where Christians were sown into the carcasses of animals and wild animals came in and tore them from limb to limb where many Christians were hurdled in there or herded in there by Nero who actually had them all killed in mass killings right there in the middle of the Colosseum, also where many Christians were brought in by Nero and Domitian as they were told to recant the gospel, take back everything you said about Jesus. And the people like oh, uh, uh, Polycarp would say things like this, I am 82 years old and I've served him this long and he's done me nothing but good. I cannot but speak the things of God. And you know what they did? They took those people's bodies and they wrapped them up in cloths and in rags and doused them with liquid and they set them up on poles and telephone poles through the city and burnt them alive and while Nero laughed from his palace and said that yes the Christians are truly the light of the world we live in times that are bad man that those things are just a precursor these things that we're going through today today right now as we speak in the United States and all over the world are a precursor
of God's judgment that will come upon the earth. Right now, the Bible says that there's one that letteth. And what it means is, is that he is holding things back. And when he that letteth is removed, that's when this earth will be in such turmoil and trouble. And you look at me and you go, well, Steve, I've heard this, I've heard this, but you're not listening to me. You're still goofing off on a Saturday night. You're still going around on a Friday night and partying it up and drinking with everybody and doing all this stupid stuff. And these days that you live in, Jesus said to live soberly, soberly minded. Why? So that you'll know these things that are coming upon you. You're not going to be able to look at the Lord and go, Lord, I didn't know. I didn't know. No, I'm telling you, there, nobody in this church will be able to say that. We need to understand the precursors that are coming upon us. And we need to know that this false prophet, listen, he has kingdom power. He has deceptive power. Let me give you this last one. He has a governmental power. This false prophet, the Antichrist, has a governmental power too. When he reaches across to all of the nations, it says that they are all going to be coming to him. And it actually declares, Brother Jack, that he's going to have a kingdom mind over them and governmental power over them. He's going to have rule over monies. You said, Brother Steve, I just don't believe that. Well, the Bible says that. So if the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus Christ, that you will be born again and you trust that, you can't say that you don't trust this part. You can't say you don't trust this part. Look at what it says. It says in verse number 16, go back, Britt, and then we're going to close with the last point. It says, he that causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark in their right hand and in their foreheads. He has control over these things. He's going to have a situation. He's going to have a line to where you're going to have to do these things. Now, we may try to figure out what it is. We were talking about the other day, Seth and I, we were talking about this thing. It's called Digital Angel. It's an RFID chip that they're putting into the hands of people. They're trying to woo you over by telling you to put it into the hands of your, your uh, uh, Alzheimer's parents or into your dog so you can find them. An RFID chip is a radio frequency identification device. And what it is, is just like the old movie gallery and the blockbuster things. Whenever you walk by something and there's power given to that and a surge of electricity that is given to that or a radio frequency, it actually charges that chip and information is giving out. They're actually Walmart and other places, actually Walmart in Texas is working on this now. We're looking at how we get mad because when we go to Walmart, we don't have a line anymore where somebody's checking us out. What do we, come on now, y'all don't act like y'all are just super spiritual people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I hear you talk about how you're mad and I hear your face or see your Facebook post where we know you're not an employee of Walmart. We get it, we get it. People are all like, they ought to pay me because I'm checking out my own groceries. You know what I mean? You're in that line. You could go in the other line, but you're in that line. But they actually have a thing now where you got that chip, you walk in, everything in your buggy, it has that RFID, radio frequency identification device on, slapped onto the box of it. And nowadays, to just simplify everything, you can just come in, get what you want. Well, you ain't going to get nothing at Gardendale. You get what you want, you walk out the door, and when you walk out the door, it charges all of those things. Boom, 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 that radio frequency identification device in your hand actually charges up, has your account numbers on there, everything's fine. You go out the door, and you never have to wait in line. You never have to do this. I'm telling you, the subtle things of the dragon, he looks like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon, and you can make fun of me all you want and laugh at me, but you better be ready if you are here. You better understand the truth of God's word because it is going to be much more difficult than stinking toilet paper. It's going to be much more horrific and horrible. And you say, Brother Steve, are you trying to put fear in me? No, I'm trying to put Christ in you. I'm trying to put the gospel in you. I'm trying to put grace into you. I'm trying to give you mercy. I'm trying to give you favor and forgiveness of God and forgiveness of sins. I'm not trying to make you afraid. I'm trying to make you aware that you need to listen up. Be sober because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you choose to never turn us on again, if you choose to leave this church, I pray that you go to the next one and the preacher preaches the truth to you and shares the truth with you because somebody needs to wake up and somebody needs to share this stuff. Amen. It's no coincidence. Listen, here's the last thing. His deal is going to be no seal, no deal. You don't take my mark. I want you to look at this. Look at verse 17 real quick, Brother Britt. It says, no man would buy or sell. Look at these things. Say if you had the mark. What's the mark? The mark of the Antichrist the name of the Antichrist, and the number of the Antichrist. You say, what is that? This is Satan, Brother David, saying, you want my provisions? You want my protection? You want my blessing? 
then you'll receive my mark and you'll worship me. If you want God and what he's doing, you run out to the wilderness with all of those starving people that say they're following him. See how far that's going to get you because my army of 200 million will be right on your tail. You see what's happening at the end time? And he's saying, I won't worship. He doesn't care if you get a loaf of bread from him. That's not what he's after. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be lifted up. God said what in the scriptures earlier? It says, Brother Jack, that he went down and he sent his mighty angel and he sealed 144,000 in their foreheads and they had the name of God on them. Now Satan goes, you know what? All of those ones that we can't touch, we can't harm them, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, they've all got a seal on them. Can you hear the demons coming back and telling Satan, they've all got a mark. We can't touch them. They're all sealed by God. We can't do anything. Let me fill you in on something. You are too. Everybody in here, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. No matter what Satan tries to do to you, he can't overcome you. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wednesday night, I almost threw that little pulpit. I think I could do this one this morning. Amen. Hey, sealed by the Spirit of God. How long, Brother Steve, do you think that seal will last? Till the day of redemption. Can't you hear the little Hebrew boy back in the old days as the father went out there and painted on the doorpost and on the lintel the blood and hear the little boy going, Dad, do you think the rain will wash it away? Do you think the winds will blow it away? Oh, Daddy, will it stay there? And the Daddy says, the blood will be there, son. The blood will remain. It won't wash away, amen. You can't think it away. You can't pray it away. And you can't fear it away. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, Bible says... I want to be worshipped, Satan tells everyone. And you, if you want my provisions that I will have governmentally, that I will have kingdom-wise, that I will have in all of my deception, then you're going to receive my mark. Because I'm going to have people on this earth that are walking around not with the mark of God on them. I'm going to have them walking around with my mark. Now listen, we're closing. We're going to close, but listen. For years, people have wondered, wonder what the mark is. When the barcode came out, the whole church went nuts and thought it was the barcode. When the QR codes come out, which is the ones you take with your camera and you look at it, people go crazy. Even this digital angel thing that we can look at and we can feasibly, plausibly say, you know what, that could actually be it. We could say that. Seriously. Because it would be in their heads and in their forehead, in their, in their hands. You could say that that could be it because their number could be tied in their minds. And listen, in their hands, they would have it together. You could do that. But we don't know. So what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't speculate what it might be. What we should do is this and see what God is really telling us. If we look at verse 17, the Bible says, and that no man might sell and all this stuff. We need to understand the overall summary of this. We need to go, okay, God, what are you teaching us? The overall summary what are you trying to show us? See, because I don't believe that God wants us, Sister Kim, to go around and go, you know what? I'm not going to get anything with a barcode anymore because it's the Antichrist. I'm not going to buy windows anymore because it's the Antichrist. And Listen, I, I'm just going to go and tell you, if, if you bought a MacBook, there's an apple on the front of it with a bite taken out of it. That ought to show us something from Genesis. You know it? I mean, the apple is the downfall of it all, and everybody's accepting the terms of the apple and not even reading them. It's not about that stuff. We don't really know how it's all going to take place. If we knew how it was going to take place, church, then it wouldn't be that deceptive thing. But the overall summary of it is this. Look at verse number 17 and 18, and we'll close. The Bible says that no man would sell or buy or do anything at all, except what? It says they had the mark, the name of the beast, or the number of his name. I go, what is that? Well, we don't have to do that. Because verse 18 tells us what it is. Here's wisdom. Here's the understanding. He says, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. Now, for some of you that think, oh gosh, Brother Steve's going to do another big math problem in the scriptures today. I'm not going to be able to handle this. No, we're not. God's already done it. He says, he says let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. What is the number of a man? The number of mankind and humanity is six. We were created on the sixth day. The Bible teaches us six days we would labor. The Bible teaches us these kind of things. The Bible even talks about um, wickedness and, and those numbers. And God is really good with numbers. He's really good 
with this stuff. But look what it says. It says the number of man is six, but look at what it says. The Antichrist, this false prophet, his number is 603 score and six. His number is 666. When you look at that, you're tempted to go, whew, I don't know about y'all, but I have a thermometer in my office in there. And when people walk in and it's 66 degrees point six, I always tell them before they leave, to blow, would you blow on that for me, please? And they go, what are you talking about? Just blow some hot air on that real quick before you leave. I don't like that. When, when numbers ring up at the cash register, if it's $6.66, am I the only one? It's, it's got to be me and Stevie Wonder. We're the only ones superstitious, right? No. You look at it and you go, man, I don't even like that number at all. But see, we're missing it all. We're missing it. See, what we're missing and not understanding is you remember back in the days of Nebuchadnezzar when they built an image of gold and of brass and all this stuff. You remember that image? Do you remember that that image was 60 cubits tall and it was six cubits wide? Do you remember Goliath, David and Goliath? Do you remember that he stood six feet and a span? Do you remember how much his weight, the, the, the weight of his armor was? It was 600 shekels. So what's God trying to show us in that? is that evilness and wickedness, the epitome and the fullness or the summary of mankind is wicked. And when God is showing us, he said, here's wisdom. He's saying, pay attention to this. This is wisdom. Don't go nuts. Get wisdom from this. He's saying the Antichrist, the Holy Spirit, the false Holy Spirit, uh, which is the false prophet, and the dragon, which is Satan. He said, they are going to be the epitome of everything that man wants, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They are going to be the epitome of sin, and they'll never be able to go greater or higher than that. But when you look at Satan, six. You look at the Antichrist, six. You look at the Anti-Holy Spirit, six. That they're going to be the triune completion of unity of what evil actually is. You remember the old thing when you were a kid, you asked the joke, and you always say, why is, why is seven afraid of eight? Or, or, or why is six afraid of eight? Because seven, eight, nine. You ever get that? Well, I'm here to tell you that there's no way that six is ever going to eat seven. He'll never be able to get above that. Do you know that even in the old days, they tied the numbers of the name of Nero. They would label out their names. That even his number came out to be 666 while they declared him the Antichrist. Do you know that even the Roman numerical system, think about it for a moment. You have the first six letters of the Roman numerical system. They actually are the equivalent of 666. You have the I, which is 1, the V, which is 5, the X, which is 10, the L, which is 50, the, uh, the C, which is 100, and the D, which is 500, and they all equal like 666. And in the days of John, you would look at that and go, maybe John is trying to show us that that Roman revived empire that rises up, because God talks about this and says it's going to be an empire, a kingdom, and a government like Rome's was. You say, well, what's so bad about that? Do you not remember the Jews and what they went through under the hands of the Romans? Right. How they paid tribute, how they could not eat, how they could not do anything unless they did all things through that? Right. It says that they're going to come. We're looking at this and we're going, okay, we're trying to figure it all out. What God's trying to tell us is it's going to be epitome of evil. Let me read you this last thing as we close, and I'm not trying to say that the United Nations or the Antichrist or anything like that, but I'm trying to show you where our world is coming. Back about 17 years ago when I studied Revelation and started preaching this 16 years ago at our church, I told you that there were 393 different churches, Episcopalian churches, all these other churches, denominations that were a part of what is called the ECC, what is the Ecumenical uh, Agreeing Together Council of the Churches. And what it is is that everybody believes you ought to take all of our religions, stick them in a blender, mix it all up because none of them really matter anyway for us to fight over that being peaceful with brothers and sisters is much greater than actually telling people Jesus Christ is the only way. Let me share something with you that happened in the year 2000. It was called the Millennial Peace Council. It happened in New York City. And here's what was wrote in an article called The UN Faithful Isle and Global Religion. The Secretary General of the United Nations Millennium Peace Summit thinks that all religion apples fall from the same tree and are equally delicious. At a recent international meeting, he told a thousand delegates that religion needs to accept the validity of all religions or else it would be difficult to attain world peace. 
the United Religion Initiative called the URI, recently convened with 300 people present representing 39 religions, and they signed a charter which officially launched the movement. It says the goal is that there will come a day which religious people will no longer insist on one single truth. Episcopal Bishop Swing, by his name was, last name was Swing, a leader in the movement, goes on to further say, there will have to be a godly ceasefire and a temporary truce where the absolute ex- exclusive claims of religion, each religion, need to be honored and agreed upon in neutrality and will be exercised in the terms of proselytizing, condemning, murdering, and dominating. These will not be tolerated by the United Religious Religions Zone. If you look at that, you go, well, what does that really matter? Those are precursors of the Antichrist movement of trying to bring everybody together. And you live in a society today that also says mush and mush everything together, mesh it all in, and everything will be okay. And we do this religion today called wash. It all comes out in the wash. No, we have to still be dedicated people of God that say this. It won't all come out in the wash unless you are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have to be the people today that would sound the trumpet. And you said, Brother Steve, what should we carry home from this message today other than the Antichrist is coming? We should take away with us a better preparedness. We should take away with us today and all of this weekend of what is happening in all of the places all around us. We should carry away with us this morning. It's taken me a long time to preach this this morning, but we should carry away an urgency. And I don't mean an urgency to wash things down, an urgency to share truth with people. If you think that not getting toilet paper is the end of the world because you can't go to Walmart to get toilet paper, our friends and our family and our communities are so messed up mindedly in priorities that we need to help them understand that there are greater things. Listen, I ain't going to lie to you. Everybody needs toilet paper. We all need all of these things. But whenever one person comes in and makes this statement, you've seen this chaos ensue. And now what do we as the church do? We don't sit back and go, oh, nothing's happening. No, we don't do that. We need to be urgent with the call and say, prepare your hearts. Get ready. You say, Brother Steve, do you believe that the Lord is coming today? He could come right now. He could come right now. I believed he was coming 16 years ago when I preached. He can come right now. He can come whenever he wants to. What should we do, Brother Steve? There were five wise virgins in the Bible and five foolish ones in the Bible. The five wise ones gathered oil and trimmed their wicks, and they were ready when the Lord came. We need to be the wise ones that help other people to get ready. Parents, you need to teach your children these things. Show them the truth of God's word because it will happen in a twinkling of an eye. His coming will happen just like that. Will you pray with me this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you this. Those of you that are here, those of you that have stayed home and you've watched at home, are you sure that you're ready to meet the Lord? That's the main thing. Not because of a pandemic, not because of an emotional or exciting message from the pastor, but because the Lord is stirring up something in your heart. Are you sure that you are ready to meet and stand before God? If you're not, I invite you now to simply say, Lord, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, accept me as your child. Save me. Wash me clean. Help me to live for you. Lord, my heart is feeling urgent this morning to share your gospel with other people. Lord, do with me what you want to. I give my life to you, and as best I know how, I will live from now on and look for your return.